Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Ex-Mormon. I'm your host, Allie. On our last episode, we had part one of our anonymous interviewee. Today is part two. Just wanted to give you a little update on me. Um, I've been back in the States now at the time of this recording for about two weeks, and things are pretty hectic. Um, I'm ramping up to... Uh, a new full-time job and a new career, plus probably some side hustles, and I am wanting to learn a few new things this year. So the podcast probably will take another break. Uh, I know I took a break break there for a few months, and it's probably going to be that way again. I feel like I've worked through a lot of things that I wanted to with this podcast, and um It's going to become less, uh, well, less consistent, I think. It'll come out just more for fun. I had hoped in the beginning for it to be, you know, a a bigger thing, something I could monetize. That doesn't seem to really be the case at this point. It's turned into more of just a passion project, a side thing, and I'm okay with that. So... Um, this might be the last episode for a little while, but thank you for listening. You're going to really like this one. It goes into more depth about our, our interviewees experience, um, more explanations than the previous episode. So I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks again for listening. As always, please feel free to reach out to me. My Instagram is not connecting well because I had started it when I was living in Italy Now I'm back in the States and it thinks that I am a hacker. And so I'm not sure how to fix that. Uh, I'm trying to get in contact with Instagram right now. But uh, at this point, you can always still send me an email at confessionsofanexmo at gmail.com. And um, anyway, look forward to speaking with some of you. Please enjoy today's episode and I will see you guys later. Okay, the technical difficulties of Allie are yeah. ongoing. <laughs> I'm no tech expert. Of everyone. <laughs> okay, I think this one's uh, gonna is working better now. Okay, we're good. So um, we had kind of left off on um, what was his name? Sam something. His name is yeah Sam Young. He is a former bishop, I believe. From Texas. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Um, he was excommunicated eventually, but he is probably the biggest um, like influence, outside influence that was. This is gonna sound like like I don't know. Like he was the biggest outside influence that had an inside role. Um, because he was still a member when he started Protect LDS Children, which was at the time in 2018, his, um, like the, the name of his uh, group and, um, or organization. And uh, he, from what I remember him saying, he, 
you know, being a bishop, he he believed that things should be handled a specific way within, you know, the the bishop's office and that it should be handled um with like a sick like you know, sacredly, you know, it, it should be, and like reverence. I know that those are both words that, um, that, you know, Mormons use a lot, but like in general, um, that it's a very delicate situation most of the time. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he just, mm-hmm. he thought it worked one way. And then, um, I think it was his daughter or daughter's that came to him and that's when he first learned about uh like inappropriate questioning by bishops across the board and then from there he you know he was like you know we have to do something about this so i guess he he went up the chain the correct way i don't know how that looks for a bishop because i've never been one <laughs> and i couldn't be because yeah. we can't have the priesthood um <laughs> <laughs> well being a woman in the church but um he i guess he went through all the right channels first to try to bring attention to the issue and it was shut down along the way so finally um protect lds children was uh born and and in that he launched a protest and i actually still have like a button from like one of those like pin on buttons that says protect LDS children with a picture of like a lioness in the background. And it just means so much to me because my story from when I was eight is so similar to so many of the other stories from people who have experienced similar situations. And I think in the last, the last time we talked, yeah, I, I think I mentioned, um, that there's an entire database online. I think the name of the organization might have changed. And it I think it's something along the lines of like protect all children. Uh but I could be I could be okay. wrong. Uh however when when Sam Young started his um his I guess you know effort to to end child abuse within bishops offices a lot of people both in the church and who have left the church started coming forward with their stories so many that it was a bit overwhelming. And uh, I I remember watching his like live videos. I think it was on Facebook that he streamed them every single, you know, every single time he'd be sitting out there, he, he would do this thing where he would sit out every day. Um, and talk to passerbys and like in front of Temple Square in Salt Lake City, uh, demanding that he get the ability to talk to one of the uh, members of the the presidency or like an apostle, some somebody who has sway within the church. And um, I, th- I think it was the apostles and the prophets. So like the first day he would. Um, sit down, and I think Nelson was prophet. Like the, he was, he was kind of new to to that position. It's Nelson, right now. I think it's been that long. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Actually, I met him once at Temple Square. That was. Did you? 
Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I, I was younger, but my grandma, I guess, um, well, I'll say, I'll say a family member of mine. <laughs> um, she worked with him in the ER and, uh, was his ER nurse. So, um, like when my, when my mom was with me, I don't know if my grandma was with me at the time, but he remembered my grandma and like, I remember shaking his hand and everything and it didn't feel as special as I thought it might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, I- I'm just shaking some dude's hand, like, hi. <laughs> but I mean, it probably is the same way with any, you know, famous person or person. I, I don't know. Maybe not. They say never to meet your heroes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, uh, yeah, that's true, but I I don't know if I would have called him my hero, <laughs> even at the <laughs> time, as a child, I'm like, I, uh, yeah, uh, it's just, kinda, I don't know, Utah's weird, but anyway, so it Sam is. Young, he would, he would uh, sit outside of Temple Square, and he'd be streaming the entire time, like, I, I think he went on a fast for a certain number of days um, to, you know, try to get the attention of authorities within the church. And nobody responded to him from my recollection. I just remember watching these live streams and, you know, women, men, people who, people, everyone in between, you know, had so many stories. So he finally created this website where you could go in and you could choose to be anonymous or you could give your name and you could share your story. And um, I think by the time I had hopped on to share mine, it was in, it was like over 500 stories. So I don't know how many there are now, but um, it uh, it really opened my eyes to the issues within the church regarding child sex abuse. And um, I actually, I was pregnant with my first at the time. And I'll, I'll just say that the looming responsibility of you know, raising a small human and keeping them alive and having that much love for them changes everything. So oh, yeah, I, I, I found no, myself. Oh, sorry. sorry, what was that? I just, I have no concept of that. I mean, I, I, I get the idea, and but the, the, the sheer amount of responsibility and like anxiety that must come with being a mother, <laughs> I, I can't oh, yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when you're pregnant, it's like they, they, the universe just or whatever wants to add on a bunch of hormones and other issues, so you're extra anxious and extra, and you can't take things you, like I can't have a glass of wine. <laughs> I mean, that's not a very yeah. good coping <laughs> mechanism, but I mean, yeah, so, you know, you just kind of oh, have to on. like smoke it out, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um but I yeah so I I was pregnant with my with my first and 
I remember sitting down with myself kind of in silence and I won't say that I don't believe in God because I, I, and I know everybody's journey is different, but I, I do. Um, I don't know who he or she is or what or where or how, but I think there's something higher than us. Uh, for sure. I mean, even if it's just down to science and space, I mean, I, you know, I, but it is kind of a comfort for me to be able to talk kind of into the air as if I'm talking to somebody. So believing that yeah. someone like God is there and listening, um, not that he would necessarily do anything, but just listening was, it, it's always been comforting for me. So, um, and I found the way that I pray is very different too. Now it's just kind of mm. as if I'm having a conversation with another person and not very formal where I have to be on my knees and say a specific phrase. But while I was sitting there, I thought to myself, okay, so there are at least two scenarios here. A, everything I've been taught my entire life is true. And you know, not going to church and drinking coffee and doing all these awful, terrible things will end me up <laughs> in prison. And, <laughs> um, or none of it's true. I mean, maybe there's an in-between somewhere, but, or none of it's true. And I am potentially putting my child at risk by bringing them to church because there are predators among us and that's not just for the Mormon church, but that's what I can speak on because it's my experience. So I, I mean, I know that right. a lot of people like to bring up the argument of, well, what about the Catholics or what about this? Or, well, I can't speak on that because I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up LDS. So I can talk about what happened and my experience and what I saw. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know like especially a lot of people who defend the church like to kind of um, step away from the actual topic and come up with these arguments that just work in their favor. And yeah, so discussions about like other churches and stuff, I'm like, that's always my response. Like, well, maybe, yeah, that's happening, but I can't speak on it. So um, that's why I wanted to talk to you about it um, because of your podcast. I mean, it's Confessions of an Ex-Mormon. And I might not be technically ex yet because... Well, um, I'm not either I, by that <laughs> definition, technically. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to go through that. <laughs> I mean, either. It's like, just another headache. Like, yeah. there's no point. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I would, I feel like I'd be wasting my time and energy and feeling like an awful person for what? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to go through any formal hearing or anything. I've heard stories of people who've had to go through that and it's just awful and heartbreaking. And, um, yeah, I'm like, if I, if I can just like pretend yeah, that sounds... like y'all are not a part of my life. It sounds, yeah, it sounds really unpleasant. Let's just... Put it out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But so that's kind of why I wanted to bring it here and bring attention to it is because 
just because, you know, that was in 2018 and Sam Young, uh, you know, he held this campaign to protect children. He, he did everything in his personal power and he gained a community of people trying to end this issue. And, uh, I remember there was a conference in Salt Lake City and I was actually in town for my baby shower, like in, in, um, our hometown. And, uh, during that time he was holding this conference on a Sunday. It wasn't, I don't want to call it a conference. It more, it felt more like, like, a a Sunday school meeting type of a thing, but it started out with a hymn and there was a prayer. And you know, what's crazy is that, for years I had been going to church and I hadn't really felt what they called the spirit, um, which I think is now just inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. like y- you can gain, you can gain that inspiration and that, um, feeling like a-, a call to do the right thing. And it, it really is a warm fuzzy feeling so and and i know it's referred to as the spirit in the church but i i hadn't felt that feeling in a while and here i was at this meeting on a sunday and and i was still kind of like hesitant about going to church and what i believed in but as they were singing the hymn and you know saying the prayer that feeling returned and i was like you know, in any in any uh, of the church leaders' views, that would probably be like, uh, you know, I'd be an apostate, you know, or following a false prophet, um, which which is what I think they excommunicated him for uh, was leading people to apostasy or what or whatever. I I don't know, um, but he he never once tried to talk the people like the congregation he had and it was a packed room i mean i was i was standing for a good portion and i was very pregnant and then finally like somebody gave up their seat for me because they were like oh um which is really (laughs) nice i I mean i didn't i I didn't need it but you know it was a nice gesture so but it was that packed like standing you know standing room only at one point and um, after the intro to the meeting, there were uh, um, victims and survivors. I mean, both both of those words can mean different things to people. Like, some people are comfortable with the word victim, and some are comfortable with the word survivor. I like... Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say like, but I prefer victim, because to me, it, like, I even if I hadn't survived it, I would still be a victim of what happened. Um, and that doesn't mean that I haven't gained strength or healed or, you know, moved forward. It's just like my preferred verbiage for it. So, um, so there are a lot of victims. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for understanding that. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, especially when it comes to like trauma informed um, information because I have I have PTSD and complex PTSD. I know it's not like an official diagnosis in the U.S. right now, but um, my oh my well, you heard my you heard my podcast all about it. Like I 
I believe that I have it as well. Oh, I, you know, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it at all for a second, especially if there's any trauma, like any trauma can cause, you know, secondary trauma, for instance, um, is like an example of that would be hearing about a car accident of a loved one and them passing away. And you can actually develop secondary PTSD just from hearing about the situation. So if something traumatic has happened to you, then absolutely there's a chance you could have PTSD or CPTSD or, you know, any one of those, you know, trauma-related anxiety disorders. So, I, I mean, if you've, if you've gone through some s- stuff, then, um, you know, it's good to have grace for yourself and to be kind to yourself and patient and understand that um, healing it's one of my favorite quotes. Healing is not linear and, uh, and that seeking help for it is okay. And it's nothing to be ashamed of because it's nothing you did wrong. Um, I, I love that quote too. Yeah. The, I think it's beautiful. I actually, I've seen a couple like tattoos of it, like, and it's like a, like a heartbeat, like the line of, a like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it has flowers lining lining the heartbeat and it says like elongate like healing is not linear. And I've been I've been thinking about getting a tattoo. I actually haven't gotten very like haven't done a ton of piercings or like tattoos or anything, but if I were to get one, I think that's one that I would Oh, um, it's very liberating. One of the first things I did when I decided mm-hmm. not to go to church anymore was get my nose pierced. And I had wanted it like my whole, like for, since I can remember, I have this little scar on my nose from a mole I had removed when I was just a kid. And um, yeah. the scar looked like a piercing anyway. Like people would kind of look at my nose and they'd be like, from the scar they'd be like did, did you have your nose pierced and so when I went in to get my nose pierced I was like do it right there right on the scar and yeah, um yeah, why not? and I love it it's like beautiful and oh. I love my nose piercing it was so liberating when I got it done I highly recommend it it's like taking back yeah. it's, it's taking back oh, this like sense of um you know, control over your own body again. Like, oh, I get to decide what I look like and what I wear and how I adorn myself. Anyway, highly recommend. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? In my opinion, and whatever body modification somebody needs to do, you know, I mean, as long as they're safe and, you know, keeping the, you know, trying to keep themselves healthy, if it helps you to feel self-love and you know adoration towards yourself i say go for it you know and that that goes from piercings to tattoos to plastic surgery to you know hey if i identify as a different gender then you know that's that's fine you know if you are if you are unhappy with the way you are and um you know I don't want to, I don't want to compare. I you know, completely the, agree. Yeah. Person's yeah journey to like, and college was body modification. Cause it's way more than that. And it's way deeper. But, um, what I'm trying to say is Ooh, that no, I see you what you're saying though. Yeah. 
yeah, if you find love within yourself, um, doing it, then absolutely go for it. I think I'm just a, I'm just like, I, I'm a highly anxious person. So all my mind goes to is like, oh, there's a needle and I don't know this person and I don't know where it's been. <laughs> and what if, what if, what if? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's always a, that's always a concern. My, while my nose yeah. was healing, I got infected probably like three times or four oh. times, like quite wow. a few, but cause it's, it's right there next to, I mean, when I got sick, I was blowing my nose and then there's lots of bacteria. So, yeah. And of course I got yeah. it done in the winter time and then I caught a cold immediately after. So <laughs> I mean, not kept getting infected, it, but um, Murphy's law, I think it's what they call it. Like you go and you do this thing and it's like immediately there's like negative consequences that make no sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Why do I have but to get a cold? We're good now. Yeah, oh, okay. cold right now, really, but yeah, no, we're good now. Anyway, lo- I I would uh, I yeah. fully support the decision of getting a tattoo if you want it. it Absolutely, it's fun. <laughs> I want to. I'm just nervous. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's I, not I, comfortable. Like it, it doesn't tickle. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, you mean <laughs> but it's not that bad. No. A massage or like a facial to get a needle pricked into your skin and ink pumped under. Um, no, yeah, no, that makes sense. But I'm sure like the results afterwards, just um, especially from the culture that we grew up in and the shame surrounding all of it and the call to perfection for every kid I knew who was in the church. I can imagine that it would be extremely liberating to say, this is, this is my body. I am free to do as I want with it, you know, and, and it's not, this is going to sound so bad, but I know a lot of people will say my body is a temple outside of the church, but in the context of the church, my body is not a building or a temple or a, holy mm-hmm. place that is meant for some higher power uh, you know i'm not restricted in that way uh, my body right. is my temple and you know if i decide to go and get a, if you know, want to if you want to paint like what my friend said before that i loved was uh, my body's a temple. I'm just painting the windows. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's make the, let's make the temple like pink, <laughs> you know, like let's do, <laughs> let's write on it. Let's do some graffiti, like make, like make it a little bit more fun. <laughs> yeah. Make yours <laughs> but, the yeah. way you want it. Exactly. Like a canvas. I love that. Yeah. Instead of like, that's kind of another thing. Sorry, I, I get so off topic, but I I have all these thoughts that come to my head about it, and so like oh me too. So many of the temples <laughs> I would visit. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm not alone. So many of the temples I would visit would be like like they had differences, but they were so alike in every single way that now I look back yeah. on it, and at the time it wasn't eerie, but now I look back on it, and I'm like whoa. Like, is that, you know, they sit there and say your body is a temple. Are they wanting you to just 
to all all of us be, you know, one and the same, like act the same, be like, the same. Yeah, they kind the of same. are. Yeah, they are. You know, I wonder if the temple is like kind of a symbol of that because it still has its minor differences. Because every you know, people are gonna look different, but like they all feel and seem the same. Like it, it's it's odd. Even the Hawaii temple. Like I went to I went to the one in Oahu, and even then it felt like a completely different place away from Hawaii. Like, yeah. I was back in Utah, but there was palm trees. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It sounds bad, but... Um, I mean, they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just kind of drew that parallel just barely, like, that are we supposed to be the same in the church? Are we supposed... You know, they say we're a peculiar people. Does peculiar mean, you know, perfect in the same ways? Um which is sad I mean, this to is me. yeah. It's a whole. I mean, this is a whole other topic we could get into another day. But uh, base. No, no, you're fine. I'm just because. Well, the reason I say that is because it's so deep, and it reminds me of all of the learning I've done in my communications uh, degree. But essentially, you know, humans are we're 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 meant to be in communities. Um, we are. Yeah. What yeah. do they call Social that? Species. Like species. Yeah, we're, we're so we want a sense of community, and um, so I think that when they're doing this, they're trying to get us all to be the same. And if if you because that's how you fit into a community, you have similarities. But so every religion does that in one way or another. But um, it's yeah. frustrating because it does. It feels like it takes away a, your individuality, and I think that that's mm-hmm. what makes these things like tattoos and piercings and um, changing your hair and these things that were kind of frowned upon in the church, they made you stand out and more individual. And, and you, you didn't really get that sense of individuality when you were so deep in, like everybody really does look the same when you go to church and especially in the temple, for those of you listening who don't know, you all dress the same. (laughs) Literally you can only wear pure white. Yeah. And there is no sense of any kind of fashion. They want you all to look the same because they are like, we are all equals inside here. And it's like, okay, equals, yes, but um, not clones. (laughs) No, no. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, though, like, I I won't touch too much longer on the subject. But if you think about it, though, like, it's easier for people in a position of power to control a group of people if they are all the same. So, like, I mean, yeah. you could compare it to, like, I forgot what the name of the cult was, but, you know, don't drink the Kool-Aid, um, where it just all uh, yeah, fell into, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And, and you, look at, you look at situations similar to that, where, it, you know, they gain power by control and you know putting people into a an objectifying you know role and and then they're able to separate the human from the crowd and and the and in turn awful things have happened 
um, just like you know, many of the yeah, the victims scary. and survivors sound young. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. Scary. Which is, yeah, it's why I, th- I think educating yourself, even if you're, you know, and I I don't know if I'm okay to address the listeners, but if you're in Utah or you're in a situation where you're surrounded by people who are LDS and Mormon and you were not, you don't feel safe. Uh, the best thing you can do is go to outside sources that, and, you know, check those resources, test those resources. Um, you always want to make sure they're, they're valid, but educate yourself. Mm-hmm. The more you learn about the outside world, the more prepared you'll be for when you're ready to enter it is is my yeah. experience yeah so absolutely um so back to sorry sorry for the huge tangent um so no, i enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too i really love conversations like that especially when it comes to like our, the culture we grew up with um and but uh, I have ADHD, so and my medication is absolutely <laughs> worn off by now. So if you need to di- redirect me, don't feel bad. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, we're quite a pair then, because um, I also have ADHD, and Adderall is illegal oh, no. pretty much everywhere except America. So I haven't had my yeah, medication um, in over a year. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm sure. So I'm just, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, you're doing great. So, I mean, I mean, from what I've seen, yeah, like, like the posts and stuff that you share online and on like social media, like you look like you look fantastic and you look happy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm working through it. (laughs) Looking forward to getting it back though. When I come back to the States, whoo. Oh, so it's 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 been a bit rough here. Uh, we could probably get into that later, but um, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the government's been weird about Adderall and other stuff. But anyway, so Sam Young, um, after after the you know conference where the victims and survivors talked, uh, he did like kind of a meet and greet type of. Thing. It wasn't really an official one. He just stayed after to talk to people, and I waited until like almost the whole place is empty because I wa- wanted so badly to get a turn to shake his hand and say thank you. Um, and I got that opportunity and he gave me a hug and it just, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're like this big celebrity. I'm such a huge fan. It was more just like, thank you, random person for standing up for us the ones who didn't have voices when we were younger and the ones who felt too scared to you know voice their experience as we as they got older so um but it was such it was so difficult because um I walked out so anxious because after I gave him the hug um I noticed that I had gotten some of my foundation on his collar and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> freaking out. And it's like one of those things where you like, you're up at night, you're like thinking back to like the embarrassing things you've done. That was <laughs> definitely, uh, that's one of those for me. 
Um, uh, classic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that happened. Um, but I actually, I actually headed home that day and my sister had, uh, my sister who is, um, not my youngest sister, but the next one up. So second, second born, she had driven me to, um, to the meeting, but she didn't want to go in because not because she wasn't interested or didn't care, but because she just didn't want I mean, there were news crews there. She didn't want to be on television or anything. So she actually waited for me for the entire meeting and then came back and picked me up and we drove home and, um, she was very supportive, even though she was like at the time, I don't know where she stands now. Um, that's not my story, but, uh, she was at the time still very much in the church, but she was, she was loving and supportive and caring and, you know, there was no judgment and she didn't say anything about, that's great. You know? Yeah. It felt really, she is, she has been a huge, my siblings have been a huge lifeline in my life. Or in in my um, lifetime, and um, so once we got home, I was feeling I was feeling really good, you know, or home back to my childhood home. Um, yeah. But I had gone downstairs, and I was sitting because our basement is finished now. Well, it's been finished for a long time, but um, there's a kitchen. Um, and I was sitting on the dining room table in front of the kitchen, and my dad was down there and he had joined me and I don't know how the conversation started or where it started because it's another like traumatic event. So the memories are very like choppy. Um, So I do remember talking to him about Sam Young and about the situation. And this is a huge argument. I'll, I'll tell you, I've heard it time and time again from people online leaders in the church um people i know in the church and it's that okay but if we so the church has made it this was their step in response to sam young's um protest and it was we're gonna change um policy not doctrine which is also Sam Young would go off about that. He would say, I'm not out to change doctrine. I'm out to change policy. And it was like, it was like the leaders and the members couldn't hear that difference. Yeah. No. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They take it as an attack. I mean, these are all generalizations. I mean, but, uh, so he, um, Sorry, I'm trying to think of where I was at. So, uh, so yeah, I have, to, I have to change policy. And I guess the policy change under Nelson was that children have now been given the option to request another adult in the room. And I, I, you know, and my dad, that was the point he first brought up. And I think he really hates debates with me or arguments and so I was really trying to avoid it being this but I get heated and my face gets all red like Tinkerbell and that's when you know (laughs) I'm about to go off (laughs) so um that sounds like me and my father by the way like 
my oh, and really? you know you know my dad he's a he's a fiery yeah. guy like yeah. he's he's, <laughs> he's he'll so tell funny, you though. what he thinks <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely oh hey i loved i i loved your dad growing up he was like one of my favorite bishops because like he was just always so like involved with the community and so like welcoming and kind and your whole family not just your dad like your mom i love her to death oh my gosh like chantel's beautiful that, that's how you pronounce it right uh Thanks. chanel I'm so, chanel yeah. i'm so bad yeah. like i can't even oh, remember some of my cousins names so um chanel <laughs> sorry Anyway, what another yeah. tangent? Yeah. Uh, anyway. yeah. So yeah, see, see, I could, I could do that for years. I'm awful, um, <laughs> but uh, so my dad and I were talking about it, and my response to him, um, like bringing up, well, the church changed policy and said that a child can request an adult to be in the room. I said, well, dad, that was already the policy. It just wasn't, you know, it was, it wasn't written in stone, maybe, but. You know, you were never restricted from having an adult in the room with you. And I was like, why are we putting the responsibility of a child's safety in the hands of a child? Like, it's yeah. an adult's responsibility to protect the child. I don't, yes. I don't care if the, if the child is eight, you know, two or eight, you know, 17, I almost said 18, but. 17 you know yeah. like a child is a child even 18 is like to me a baby so well and um, my thought process here too is the same like if if you had asked me when i was you know 10 maybe and i had been going through the same things as you were going through first of all i'm i don't want to tell the bishop because that's awkward i don't want a second yeah. adult to be in there to like witness this in, like thing that I have to confess I like okay great I have a another witness to my shame no so yeah. w why why would they be putting that in the hands of the child it's ridiculous exactly except my so my point of view is actually a little bit um at first when people hear it they go what do you you know that why would you want to make the child more uncomfortable my point of view is that it should be a requirement that a trusted adult, like someone who's a oh, professional, no, no. also be in the room. Oh, sorry. It's yes, I agree with. Oh, yeah, I was going to say I agree with this, but uh, like an adult who's maybe not connected to the child in any way, uh, someone that's not going to make them, you know, feel uncomfortable, or on the other yeah. hand, someone who they feel extra comfortable with. It could be either way, but. What I meant to say was, yeah. like, the child shouldn't even be given the choice. It should be a requirement because if it's a requirement, then they have no option to say, no, I don't want that. It it, it would, just for their safety, right? Rather than being like, oh, I, I have, giving them the choice, like, do I be more embarrassed? Just being like, okay, this is what's happening. This is how we do it now. Like, I think that's how it needs to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we're on the same page too. Cause yeah, it, putting, putting the responsibility of it, of, of trying to go out of your way to find an adult you trust and then confide in them and then say, Hey, I want you to be here at this place while I repent. That's a lot to put on a kid who 
you know, maybe just turned eight and was baptized or is, you know, 16 and ma- made a mistake, well, quote unquote mistake. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure and it's not going to protect children because children are going to be too scared, A, to, to go talk to an adult and even more scared to go talk to the, you know, the bishop, the leader of the ward. And I mean, we have a lot of good, we, we, we had a lot of good bishops, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say every single bishop is doing this where they're acting inappropriate and taking it further than just inappropriate questions within the office. But because Bishops and other clergy members within the LDS church are, can be an accountant or, you know, a lawyer or somebody who has no training in human psychology or the way trauma works. Um, and then you have mm-hmm. a lot of the teachings that are pretty anti-woman. Um, you add that and it kind of, and, and this this isn't to yeah. discount the experiences that boys and men have had, but speaking as a woman, like it it creates a level of shame that uh, is really hard to explain. Um, it does, so and how frustrating! Absolutely... How frustrating that it always has to be a man that we confess to. Yeah, like why wouldn't why couldn't it be a woman? That's so frustrating. Exactly. Why? Why not be given the choice? Because repentance is repentance, confession is confession. As long as I mean, within the church's you know doctrine, right? It's that you're confessing to the bishop or stake president. I don't. I don't know. But someone higher, quote unquote, in the priesthood than you. Um, I mean, as long as they're there and the confession is happening what's the problem with having somebody you trust in the room with you? I mean, married couples do it all the time. You have married couples who cheat on each other and they end up in the Bishop's office together. So why are children ending up in Bishop's offices alone? Um, It's, it's very concerning to me that that was the only change. And I said, I, my response to my dad was dad, we took a baby step when we're running a marathon and we need to get to the finish line because these children need to be protected. Baby steps are not going to get you there. And um, I said, there's absolutely no way that I am going to subject my child and now children to potential abuse because the church chooses to turn, turn a blind eye. And bury its head in the sand. And and then I said to him, I said, the other thing is, if you really want to follow, like, the true doctrine of repentance, right, it's that a repentant heart, you know, is usually happy to confess, you know, I, that I did this, you know, what's my quote-unquote penance, you know, how, what do I have to do to mm-hmm. make it right? And if a if a child's you know requirement was to have another adult in the room and they decided they didn't want to repent, then they weren't ready to repent anyway. 
That's my opinion. And maybe they will be ready as an adult, or maybe not, because they'll realize what they did really wasn't all that bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it's, it's more of like, and that was, I was trying to appeal to my dad's beliefs because, you know, if we, if we look at it, if you're truly repentant, it won't matter if somebody you love and trust or somebody who is, you know, a unbiased person that you've chosen or, or even, you know, that, you know, it, it won't matter if they're in the room because, and there can be tweaks where it, you know, there's sworn to secrecy or whatever, but because as long as a child is safe, they can repent at any given point once they're an adult, you know, they don't, yeah. they don't have to go in and repent for things that they did that are perceived as wrong in the church until they are an adult and until they are ready and understand the process fully. And so that's why I absolutely advocate for an adult being required to be in a room with a child, with any clergyman member, just like with a like church classes. Um, you know, I think they made, they made a tweak to policy that said that like two adults have to be in the classroom um, of the same. Yes, same they gender did. Or something like that. Yeah. So why why yeah. can't the same be done for bishops interviews for a twelve year old who is entering young women's or I don't know if that's what it's called anymore. I don't know any of the terms. But I didn't yeah, me either. I'm, I'm a little bit foggy on them as well. <laughs> Listen, I know Beehive, Maya Maid, and Laurel, okay? <laughs> Which, you know, know that's some terminology that's, terminology. yeah, that, that's some pretty forward terminology, you know, like, you gotta be on the ends to know what that is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly, that's, but like, I know, like, so much has changed, I think, under Nelson, and I'm not saying it's bad changes, but that I, I just haven't kept up with it, because it's like, I don't have the time or energy to, so um, I'm just gonna talk about it, like, when I was in... <laughs> Yeah, like I, I know how it works. It was three-hour blocks. Thank you so, to the generations that didn't don't have to go through that. You know, good for you. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so nice. It's like two. I think it's yeah. two hours now. Yeah. What is that? We're we yeah, get, like we had to go through three hours. Like as an eight-year-old, I had to be listening to people just drone on for three hours and I just wanted to wiggle and like eat. I was, I remember I was always starving at the end of church and like, I just wanted to run around. Yes. It was, oh. it was kind of miserable. <laughs> did you ever walk home from church? I did it all the time because it was like fresh air. Like, Oh yeah. All the I walked home from church yeah. all the time. Loved it. That was, I miss that actually. I miss that feeling. It was whoa. <laughs> it's kind of like when you like talk about freedom and yeah, getting outside I'm... the Utah bubble. Like the freedom, <laughs> yeah. the feeling of freedom when you walk out of church to walk home and walk in nature and like yeah. have a moment. Like church is over. Yeah. I'm gonna go have dinner. Oh, I get to go walk through the through the beautiful like mountain. We lived on like for the listeners, oh, we lived yeah. on the foot of this beautiful mountain. So we'd 
Oh, just walk home. That. The mountains were up there on the left. Yeah, yeah. I do miss that. <laughs> yeah, you're making. I'm not. Well, not. I'm all nostalgic now because, like, I would go hike too. I actually got in trouble once for hiking on a Sunday because it wasn't resting enough. Oh my and goodness! I was. <laughs> Like, but it was like part of a letter that my parents wrote to me about all these like things I was doing that was, you know, that were like violating the boundaries and the rules of their home. And like that was oh. listed as one of them is because I went on a hike after church and, uh, and wrote, I needed to they stop wrote you a exercising letter? on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got letters. My one of my parents would come in. I won't specify who, uh, and she, they would clean my room <sighs> and leave like letters on my pillow, just going on about like coming back to God and you know that the family loves you and and eventually the the letters would get more um, like aggressive in tone um, because. I, tr- I turned 18 and I remember my parents trying to set down these rules that were just arbitrary to me. Um, and I said, okay, you know what? Go ahead, draft up a lease. If what's in the lease is legal, I'll sign it. If it's not, go to court and, you know, spend the time you have to to get an eviction notice and then give me a 30 day notice and I'll get out. And I I will never ever forget or um <laughs> good <Officer> for you. <laughs> it was officer Scott from Harriman High in the law enforcement class. He told the whole class that. He said your parents oh cannot kick God. you out when you're 18. Without an eviction notice, I just want to let you all know that. And that, like, that was it. <laughs> I loved him. I loved but... him. I loved him. Oh, so great. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so I was, it, he gave me a tool to protect myself um, and to um, kind of stand up to my parents and say, hey, you can't walk all over me like this. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, have you control my every single move. And no, I'm not going to church every Sunday. Yes, I I respect the rule of having no coffee or alcohol in the home. Like, there are obviously certain customs and, and rules that you want to respect within somebody else's home. But what I do outside of it and my life outside of, you know, this, this space is not your concern because essentially it like legally in a way you guys are my landlords. Like, um, yeah. so, so yeah. So it was, it was like, I, again, going back to, you know, if you're stuck in a situation, especially as a teen where you feel trapped, the best way to protect yourself and to gain freedom is to educate yourself. And to and unfortunately for some of us, also having to go through personal experience. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But who knows? You know, even just like listening to things like this can be helpful because some people might not even know that these policies are in place or 
about the, I didn't know about that thing about like your parents can't kick you out at 18. I thought they totally could. That's news to me. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, I could have heard it wrong, but I said it with such conviction. So if any of it was off, like, or incorrect, I apologize. But I said it with such conviction to them that they backed off pretty quick. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, that's I'm fantastic. Around here. <laughs> Thank you. It was, it took a lot to get there to get to the point to finally stand up for myself. I'm- I'm proud of you uh, because I I still struggle with that. And especially to do that to your parents who have held this this power over you your whole life. That is is a really difficult step to take. And I'm and you did it at such a young age. Like that is very admirable. And anyway, yeah, proud of you for that. (laughs) That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, and I met I'm, I'm like turning them to tear up. <laughs> um, I've met your parents and you. um I I know we're trying to say sort of anonymous here, but I will say the parent I know that you're speaking of <laughs> is quite imposing, like a rather intimidating figure. So uh Wow, I you know the thing the fact so that a, you say to you. Is- Thank you. Thank you. I Sorry, I didn't mean to interject so quickly, but it's just for so long as a kid and even into adulthood, like the gaslighting and I was a scapegoat for everything. I know those are two very like big, um, like trendy words right now, but they are things for like for victims um, it was to the point where, like, there, I won't mention names, it, there were people in our church community or there, um, that said things like, you know, oh, but she's, you know, or but the parent is, you know, her parent, you know, she has provided all of this for her daughter, her daughter. I mean, their daughter. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> at this I'll, point, we both. I'll cut. <laughs> I'll cut these out. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, it was just a lot of defending of the of the parent that um I think that we're both talking about, and um and it it was very hurtful. I won't lie. I I made a Facebook post at one point um a few years back and got a lot of fire um from it like over it from my family and um other people on facebook but um i'm sorry it, to hear that as hard as it was thank thank you it you know i i still don't regret it cuz you know i i i think part of the reason that i you know even though i'm terrified to death that i say something and i stand up and i do something and i have the attitude well i don't want to say attitude a lot of the times assertive women and i'd I'd probably consider myself pretty like reserved but assertive um are seen as aggressive and um i just you know i i think and you know what that's not always a bad thing either so (laughs) i think just the way we've been conditioned in our community and, you know, it's a Mormon thing, but it's also just kind of a, maybe a Western U.S. thing. 
Like, I feel like yeah. we're all sort of taught to be soft women. And yes, yeah, that's just doesn't work in today's society anymore. Like, you can't really no. be a soft woman and survive safely and, and like healthily. Yeah. You have to have some amount of assertiveness. So, anyway, I think you strike a nice balance. And I can see, thank you. <clears throat> in fact, I. Uh, I have some vague memories of like just like ward gossip and things like that. And it was, there were things like that where it was, and not just about you, about any parent and child dynamic inside of the ward, people being like, but this, you know, this child is doing this thing and the other parent and they're like, well, they should listen to their parents. And then all of us are kind of like, well, uh, like where does this where does this lie and like who is in the right who is in the wrong and anyway it's all I mean complicated I think, and- I think it's actually yeah like when it comes to my specific situation and and you putting you know that out, outside perspective into it it's actually quite validating because it's so easy for people like me to um like not trust my own intuition or instincts or memory because I was told so often that this or this or this didn't happen and um it you you kind of feel kind of like encased in this you know this trap that like nobody even knows you're in like this kind of snow globe type thing like you're like you're knocking on it like trying to get out and um and nobody really can see what's happening. Um, and, and you're you told. Know what's really frustrating too, uh, not to cut you off. I just wanted to say. No, like, you're good. What's so frustrating is so many of us see these things, but we don't say anything because we're like, it's not our business. But yes. it, it kind of is yeah. your business <laughs> to help people. Yeah, I think that's part of my problem is because um I would see something wrong happening, like, uh, like I don't want to say just in church, but like in in general. Um, like I remember going on a date with a guy, uh, super Mormon, in high school, and he was super sweet. And I I just think it was like, you know, teenagers being teenagers, but like he started gossiping about this girl that. Or, yeah, this girl that I had been, that I had hung out with a bit and I considered a friend. Um, but she didn't have many friends because of a condition she had. And he started going off about how creepy she looked. And, I, like, he was my biggest crush at the time. I'm not kidding. Like, so you want to do what you can to, like, impress this person, right? But, again, that, like, mm. fiery part of me came out and I was like, you don't even know her. <laughs> Good for you. What was that? Good for you. Like, that's absolutely the right thing. Uh, Thank you. It's scary, but, like, I think, (laughs) I don't don't know if I call it, like, I don't know what I call it, but, yeah, I hear hear things or I see things that I perceive as wrong. And, you know, that is one positive I think I can take from growing up in the church is that, Generally, we were taught right from wrong, you know, I mean, and then there's yeah. a bunch of other stuff on top. 
that we don't yeah. have to go into, but um, that, you know, I, I feel like I have a lot more compassion and empathy for other people um, having gone through the experience I did. Not that I, I or anybody else should have to go through hardship like that or trauma to get to a point where you know, they, they feel that they're, you know, better off. But for me, I feel like my experiences have definitely helped me grow into a more mature and understanding and empathetic individual. I, you know, I used to be very quick to judge. I won't lie. Um, I had a lot of my own faults. I'll be honest, a, a lot of my teenage years are just a blur because part of trauma comes dissociation and dissociation mm-hmm. is kind of where you're out of it. Like you're not really, it's kind of like watching your life from a movie theater, like play out. Yeah. So there's a lot of like broken up memories, but um, you know, I've, I've definitely learned to be more accepting and loving and understanding of people, um, which I honestly think is, more Christ-like than what I was, I don't want to say taught because I I don't know any church doctrine that directly teaches you to be awful to your neighbor. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, like I, I, it definitely didn't, it's not fake. It's not, there's no judgment. There's no, you know, like, oh, you know, you're not going to go to the highest degree of glory. uh." Like, yeah, uh, it was, <laughs> but like, yeah, there, there's no, there's no comparing. It's just, I want to hear the person's story. I want to let them know they're, you know, that they matter and they're important. And, um, I'm really glad for that. And now I can do my part in raising, yeah, I mean, to my very best, um, uh raising two two people who um are very beautiful souls and will have the freedom to love who they love and be who they are and believe what they believe i mean so long as it's you know i'm sane healthy <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh yeah i mean I, I I get the chance now, even though I might resent what I missed out on in my younger years, I get the chance now to give my children and myself, uh, there's a lot of inner child healing that comes from raising my, my kids for me. Um, I, obviously, I'm not going to like tell them about it. You know, they're, they're not aware, but because I get to watch them go through these positive experiences and they, and have like the, um, you know, the like patience and um, hearing them out without, I mean, my, my youngest is too small at the moment, but hearing my, my oldest out and not getting angry immediately or, you know, shaming him. It's, it's been really great to watch his personality blossom because he speaks his mind and he's not afraid. He doesn't care who's around, but he does it in a polite, you know, way. Like he's, 
he's such a good kid and um they mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever tell them this like because I don't want that to be on their shoulders but my children have definitely saved my life life in um ways that uh I I won't get into detail but um my life might not have turned out the way I wanted to wanted it to um, which was being you know an FBI agent in the city because for some reason at 14 <laughs> I thought that was yeah anyway but it's <laughs> turned into something so beautiful and wonderful and unique and I hope and and this isn't just to say you know to people have kids that you know they'll heal you no that's not it then that's not a child's job (laughs) but um but it's to say that wherever your life turns out you know and however it goes and whatever you choose to do and wherever you land I hope that that same um pride and that same love and passion and um, inner child healing can happen for everyone who has gone through well, I think that, trauma. I think that that's a beautiful um, concept that you just mentioned, like your life didn't turn out the way you expected, but it's beautiful and you can find healing in places where you didn't expect it. Yeah. And also through, yeah, you, you know, just acts of service and because that's all raising children really is. It's just service and hard work. And the fact that you found healing through this beautiful act is wonderful. I'm also not in the place where I thought I'd be. I'm almost 30 and uh, divorced and starting a new career path for like the third time. <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not where I thought I would be either, but I have found a lot of beauty in my story as well. Um, and yeah. healing. And yeah. I think that that is kind of the whole me- idea and message of this podcast too, is like you're, it, when you leave the church, there is a huge change and a huge rift in your life but there is healing and there's hope on the other side no matter where you are exactly and it might not happen right away it might not happen for a while i mean for me i i was in five years yeah like i and before it finally clicked that i'm not this terrible awful person that's not going to be with my family forever um and that's like like my my family is my family and family doesn't necessarily have to be the people that you're biologically related to it's who comes into your life that feels as close as family so um yeah if you are in a situation where you're you know facing um hardship due to abuse um, just know that the, it's not the end and 
um, there is a future and things can get better and you deserve healing and you can make your family whoever you want them to be. <laughs> and um, and also, life doesn't have to turn out exactly the way it was supposed to in your head when you were 17. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and it can still be fantastic. Yes, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just starting college and I'm almost 30 so <laughs> here we are congratulations <laughs> that's fantastic thank you i'm happy I for it. you i'm loving it i appreciate that Ali. thank you what are, what are you I, I going to school for oh um right now i'm just getting my associates in general studies just because i haven't decided on a like what i want to major in yet um i know it's like a mix-up between i want to i I would really love to like get to a place where I can take the LSATs and hopefully get into law school. Um, but if that's not oh an option, God. I would love. I would love. I would love a degree well, in like marketing that's a good goal. or business. To thank you, yeah, I would. I would love to be like a PI um, because, like, I guess my idea was like since I'm a um, a spouse of a service member, and you, I you, I don't care if you include this or don't in the. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of um, infidelity that happens <laughs> around these areas and I'm like if I could be a PI and just like like how lucrative would that be <laughs> yeah well I've, it probably awful. could be it's more of a joke than anything I promise I don't actually mean it it's <laughs> awful but I'm like <laughs> like what can I do for a job that I can take around the world with me? <laughs> well, no. Um, I mean, that's there's no shame in wanting to make money. Come on. We all need to make money. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I thought that was just like a funny thought that came to mind. But yeah, I'm probably business, marketing, um, law. I don't want a poli sci degree. But like, I would like c computer for like forensics or something, something um, that could get me into the field of some sort of like either law enforcement or political place. I don't know if I'd want to be a campaign manager, but I don't know. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that's great. I, I, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to do my part and, helping women and changing things in the U.S. back to the way they should be. That's the way I'll put it. <laughs> so, I fully support that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Glad to hear there's another supporter. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know really what else to say. <laughs> uh, I think that that was a, a perfect warm and fuzzy ending. Honestly, like, um, thank you. I, I don't yeah. know if I got to the point enough, but um, I mean, it's it's one a.m. here, so I could just be like, I'm like tired, <laughs> so I'm sorry if like I come I'm come across that way, but <laughs> no, not at all. And thank um, you for taking the time to talk with me so late. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I probably would have been awake, like trying to like like squint my eyes open to the computer and type out my essay and hope that it was grammatically <laughs> correct but 
Um, yeah, this is much better. Yeah, this is more entertaining anyway. It's like a little therapy session. Yeah. It, I no, it just kind of puts it. you to sleep. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, I just want to go lay in bed now and, like, snuggle up with my blankets and my Squishmallows. Mm. I love Squishmallows. <laughs> That's the other thing. I what love other, those other tip, um, if, if you do have trauma, it's um, kind of feeding your inner child. Like, so if, like, you see something that, like, your inner child would want, like, like who you were as a child, like, say, a cupcake in the window, in the bakery shop window, like, don't be afraid mm-hmm. to go out of your way and get that because uh, it it helps to I don't know I, I I it could it could be different for everyone but I found that helpful for me so yeah I have like squishmallows and like fun oh, little I stuffed animals that. yeah that's that's <laughs> actually you. been really helpful for me as well I um, recently took a trip to Paris for like a school thing and I stayed there like two extra days specifically to go to Disneyland all by myself. Yeah. So I went to Paris Disneyland and I bought it. I bought a tiara. (laughs) I bought a tiara and I put on a princess crown and I just like walked around all day. And like, I'm like, I'm going to get an ice cream and I'm going to go on this ride three times in a row because I want to. (laughs) And it was the best day. I'm an adult so I can do what I want. Yeah, especially because you did it your like with yourself. It was not a you know like like a group thing is always fun, but like you were like, I'm gonna go have fun and I don't care. (laughs) And I love that for you. I'm just I'm just mad that Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique doesn't do hair and makeup for people older than twelve or whatever. Honestly, come on. I want I want the princess (laughs) costume. What are you doing? Me too. They're losing yeah. out on a big market there. They really are. <laughs> they could charge honest, double, you were to walk and around, we would do it. Yes, and yeah, we literally would. But if you were to walk we around in a bell costume, like a bell dress, um, Disney would have to be like, "Um, ma'am, you can't be impersonating." <laughs> <laughs> you cannot be impersonating a Disney princess at Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like that's against the law here. <laughs> you would definitely you be a Disney princess. I'm not you even kidding me. though. You. You, were even, you were even cast as a bell in like the the steak play. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. Aww. You were Awesome. You're so nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, appreciate I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you inviting me. Well, I guess I kind of invited him. But like, um, like bringing me onto it. This, I feel like this is, I know this podcast is such an important mission. It, it really is bringing, um, at least me, for instance, like, a lot of, like, hope and, um, like, new viewpoints on the future because I still had, like, those questions in my chest that, like, and my my head that were always, like, what if it's all true and what if I'm ruining my chance at 
forever with my family. And then I would think about it and I'd think, you know, I would give up my salvation if it meant keeping my kids safe. And it was really hard to deal with, but um, seeing... And it's not just you, too. You're you're a big figure on, like, my feed. Like, I think it's just how the algorithm is. But, mm. like, there's there's a few other, like, um, like people that we both grew up with that um, show up on my feed and the, that have walked away. And it's just, like, watching it is, like, like, as someone who was, like, hesitant, um... It was just happier and happier, the the pictures and the posts and and like and and not in like a like a I'm always elated and feeling positive type of a way, but more of a like calm, serene, happy, like general. Like I think I think it's um, an authenticity thing too. Like yeah, stepping into your yeah. authentic self without someone or an entity telling you what's going to make you happy. It's like, Oh, let me decide. Yeah. You put the decision back in your own hands. And I find that so extremely inspiring. And so when I found out about this podcast, I was like, go out. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. I really really appreciate you sharing your story because I know it's vulnerable and scary and uh, you're and hard in, in a multitude of ways. So thank you again for being on. I think that this story will probably resonate with a lot of people and I hope it helps, you know, with anybody else going through something similar, maybe gives them some ideas or thoughts for the future. Um, I'll, I'll link that organization in the show notes. Um, And for those of you out there that might be going through something similar, maybe you have some things you need to process. um, You, I mean, what would you uh, anonymous speaker (laughs) tell them to, uh, to do at this point, if you know, they were in a similar situation feeling like they needed to, to let out some, some traumas from the past. Maybe they were in something similar. Um, I, I guess it would depend on age. So if you're over 18, um, finding a trauma-informed therapist who's covered under your insurance or takes installments um, or even reaching out to... There are resources out there. I can't name them specifically in your area that help with um you know those struggles um such as support groups um even domestic violence shelters you don't have to go to a shelter and stay at a shelter to take part in some of their programs um there uh for for children there is um there are resources such as um Oh, I forgot what the name of the group was. I'm sorry. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. But there there are resources out there. I mean, it just is a quick Google search, you know, online support group for you know, women in this situation or men facing this problem. 
um, if you if you can search it, you could probably find it. I mean, I was a part of one um, that was based out of Australia for a bit. So I mean, oh. uh, there oh. there is support, and um, the one I was a part of was a, a domestic violence one, and it was very secretive, and they send you um, links to emails where you, it's password protected, and um, they do everything they can to like protect your identity and keep you safe. So, um, I would also say read up on your rights, um, wherever you're at in whatever state or country. Um, because if you're in a situation where you can't get out and you're vulnerable, um, or a minor, especially you still have rights and it doesn't just have to be going straight to a police station. Um, so, uh, such as privacy rights, um, that your parents can't put a hidden camera in your bedroom because it's, I mean, it, it just depends on the jurisdiction, but you get the gist. Know, know your rights. Yeah. Read, yeah. educate yourself, listen to YouTube videos, however you learn and what your learning style is just soak that in um, because when you're ready to leave, you will be better prepared. And I say when, because everybody has their different timelines and not everybody feels ready to leave right now. Um, safety looks different for everyone. Um, and finding your safety uh, is unique to you. So I guess that's what I have to say. Like you, there are people out here who are rooting for you and you are going to make it. If I can make it, you can make it. That's, that's what I have to say about people going through hardships similar to mine or uh, just bad family situations altogether. Yeah. So yeah. if I can make it, you can. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Okay, awesome. great. Well, Appreciate you again. And um, listeners, thanks for sticking around till now. And uh, I will hopefully be back sooner than I was this last time. <laughs> Took me a couple Sorry. months to get this episode up. No, it's not your fault. I've been slacking. I could have done another one. I was just, I didn't feel like Oh, it. girls and so. both of us. I've been awful. <laughs> oh. So thanks. And right. I will talk to all of you listeners talking to your ears again soon. <laughs> so thanks. This has been another episode of Confessions of an Ex-Mormon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to rate the show. You can find me on Instagram at Confessions of an Exmo or send me your stories at confessionsofanexmo at gmail.com. I'm also on Patreon now, so support the show there at patreon.com slash confessionsofanexmo or find it down in the show notes. Thanks for your support. See you guys in two weeks.